This now is the Word of God we're reading from Exodus chapter 19. Get your Bibles or grab your phone or whatever you need to do in order that you might be able to read along with us. Exodus 19 verse 1 reads like this. On the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Raphidim and came to the wilderness of Sinai and they encamped in the wilderness. And there Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, Tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Verse 7 reads, So Moses came and called the elders of the people, set before them all the words that the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word today. It was seven years ago almost to the day in which I was in an airport in Kenya along with other friends. Some of them were students and it was 2 a.m. in the morning. We were waiting for a 4 a.m. flight. We'd been dropped off by our guide and interpreter about 10 o'clock that night, so we'd been in the airport for quite some time. Now, it's, even though in Nairobi, Kenya, it was an international airport, it was not like Atlanta or DFW or Chicago, much smaller, not as many people there in the middle of the night. But around 2 a.m. is when a group of American students walked in and where we were a couple of sections over, I guess, and one of those, and we hadn't seen Americans in some time as well, but uh, one of those was wearing an Auburn football T-shirt. And, of course, what do I do? I yelled, War Eagle! He didn't move. And I'm thinking, well, I can't let this pass. And uh, so I yelled, War Eagle again! He still didn't move. So pretending I needed to go somewhere on the other side of the airport, a little terminal we in, I walked by and got closer to him and said, War Eagle! He still didn't move. By this time, I'm getting in his grill just about. War Eagle and Silencio. A little student, one of the girls came from around the corner, and she said, are y'all from Alabama? And uh, she said, we're a group of students from all different parts of the United States, and they've been on ministry there in Kenya. And she said, that boy wearing the Auburn shirt, he's not from Alabama. She said, he's from uh, another part of the United States. She said, he ran out of clothes two days ago, and he's wearing my T-shirt. And then she said, but he is wondering why you're yelling at him, I guess. Well, we have lots of things in common. We do know that uh, we have lots of war eagles, I guess, in the crowd. We see and know that there are some who are Roll Tide fans. By the way, if I'd have yelled Roll Tide, he might have recognized that. Uh, so we have Tennessee, we know, in the house, and LSU. So we have things in common. All in other schools as well, of course. All of us probably hope that SEC football starts back uh, as planned. But... Now, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we all have this in common. We have been saved by grace through faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus, we're able to have a relationship with the one who is divine. And we know that we have a home in heaven because Jesus has carried us as on eagle's wings to be able to have a relationship with him, as is talked about here in Exodus chapter 19. Put this in... 
uh, I guess, uh, context of what's happening here. We know in Exodus chapter 19, the Israelites have been freed from slavery in Egypt, and they have traveled after uh, all the things that happened. They've come across the Red Sea. They've been traveling, the Bible says, for three months to the destination that God has given Moses. We know that they're on their way to the promised land and the land that's been promised to Abraham. But up until now, they've been given this one instruction, that is to go to the mountain of God, to go to the very place in which they uh, were to go and be able to worship. And in Exodus chapter 20, Moses is going to receive the Ten Commandments. And this is a time of preparation for them to be able to receive the Ten Commandments and to receive God's law. They surely knew that they were belonged to God and that they were a unique people but until perhaps this time in this particular chapter in the days to come maybe they did not know how unique well God was going to tell them and he was going to show them as well the New Testament Christian is often compared to the Israelites of the Old Testament Israelites have been saved from slavery and we understand as believers we've been saved also from slavery to sin, slavery to self and even slavery from Satan's hell. We're on a journey to live in the promised land. Now a lot of people when they talk about the promised land and even some of the songs in which we sing they talk about the promised land as only being heaven, that place we're going to go to when this life is over and certainly that's probably the best and the biggest part of it. But in the Bible the promised land is not something that's going to happen after we die, but it's something that can happen right now as we have a relationship with Jesus, as we walk, have fellowship with Him right here on this earth. But like the Israelites, we must realize the love and the care that God has for us as His unique chosen people chosen for His purpose. Now I want you to notice verse 8 in which we read a moment ago. It's part of it's going to be on your screen here in just a moment. There's a key phrase that speaks of their willing obedience when they discover who they are before God. Go ahead and put verse 8 up there. It says, part of that says, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. This is going to be a congregation, participation, interactive time for our next few minutes that we have in the service today. So it's good if you have the scripture there in front of you. It's good uh, that you have a perhaps a piece of paper, maybe something to write with. As a matter of fact, if you didn't receive a bulletin today or notes, sometimes we people come in different directions, raise your hand. We've got a bulletin ready for you to have one. There's a couple of hands over here, some down here. Just keep your hand up. One of our, uh, one of our greeters be glad to get that to you here. Thank you for just a moment. What did I say? A Bible, you'll need uh, something to write on, write with, it'll be good, and also your voice because you're going to participate today today. Uh, as we come along as maybe a part of our worship. In fact, three times you're going to see this appear. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And your job, I'm going to say all that the Lord has spoken, and I want you to be able to repeat back. It's just us here today, so you'll need to participate in what's taking place. And even if you've got your mask on, you can do it extra loud, I guess. You want to be able to respond by saying we will do. The fourth time it comes up, we're all going to say it together. So you'll need to pay attention here along the way. So here's the first time that we're going to say it today. As a part of worship, part of participation, you want to say we will do. All that the Lord has spoken, say it with me, we will do. Oh, you did good. Almost as good as the first service today. No, you're doing wonderful today. Thank you so very much. Well, all, as we study this passage about God's care for the Israelites, we're going to reflect today on our status as followers of Jesus. So as a follower of Jesus, you are proof of God's care. You're proof of God's care. In Exodus 
chapter 3. You don't have to go to that now, but in Exodus chapter 3, you probably don't because you might remember what happened there. That's where Moses came onto the mountain and he saw the bush that was burning but was not consumed. God spoke to him out of that bush, told him to go as God's man to go, and God's going to deliver the Israelites from Egypt. And he gave several signs of that, the, that he could know that this was true. One of those signs was the fact that he was going to come back to this mountain with all the Israelites. And so now Moses has made full circle. He's gone from the mountain. He's gone to the people. God's delivered the people. Now he's got one to two million Israelites with him. And he's come back to this very mountain. As a matter of fact, it's repeated a couple of times in verses 1 and 2 that we read. Probably for a purpose. Whenever something's repeated, it's usually for a purpose. That they've come into the wilderness. Into the wilderness, it says. They've come next to the mountain. Maybe so that those of us who are reading, and even the Israelites at that time, and Moses could say, hey, this is one of the signs. We've come back here just as God had said. Now that was really all the instruction they had so far. They knew that they were going to the land promised to Abraham, but the, really the only instructions they had for now was to come to this mountain. Now what were they to do? Moses is going to make several trips up and down the mountain to hear a word from the Lord, but these words from God, including Exodus chapter 19, you know the law is coming in Exodus 20, are going to be some of the most important words that God's people have heard thus far. And the fact that the Israelites have been brought to the mountain of God was proof of God's love and care and that they were proof of God's care. When, when I think about the proof of God's care, that I'm proof of God's care, it gets very personal to me really quick because I remember that even as a kid, in hearing about the good news of Jesus that I took God at His Word. I remember a verse then that I was told and still remember from today. John 1.12 says, If we believe in Him, He will invite us to be adopted into His family. We become His children. I took Him at His Word and He was faithful and He saved me and He's been with me and brought purpose and joy and contentment and I've been able to walk with Him and seen things that uh, are beyond uh, comparison. I know that the Lord has walked with me. Now, life's not always been easy, you understand. There have been difficulties along the way. There have been things that happened in my life and other people's lives and I'm wondering and I'm not sure what God's always up to. But I know that He always can be trusted and He's always faithful. And I can know that God is at work in my family's life and I've seen God at work in the church family, family's life in more ways than can be counted. So I've got something as part of our interactive that I want you to do right now, whether you write it down on your paper or you certainly want to think about it, or maybe if you're home you might even want to say it out loud, who knows. But, uh, but I want you to come up with a particular example, a particular testimony of ways in which you know that God has proven His care to and through you. Maybe just something that you just, maybe you can name a lots of ways. I just want you to maybe think or name or write down at least one. Maybe it has something to do with your salvation. Maybe it's something traumatic that happened in your life. Maybe it's something wonderful that took place. Maybe it's something that happened in the last week or maybe in the last five months that you know that God has proven His care for you. Just kind of jot that down as part of our interactive and maybe just take just a moment and thank the Lord for give testimony maybe in your own spirit of how God has been at work and your proof of God's care. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says this, So now that the Lord your God, the faithful God, he will keep His agreement for love for a thousand lifetimes for people who love Him and obey His commandments. 
in chapter 19 and verse 4 that we read just a moment ago, he tells them to look back for proof of God's presence and loving care. In fact, verse 4 says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Our, our Lord was the first one to use what's become now maybe a familiar illustration. You wonder where it came from. It came from the Lord himself about eaglets being on a, in a nest and the eagles carrying their young, carrying the eaglets on their back. Most birds that carry, they carry it in their beak, but the eagle carries it on, his, on her back so that uh, for more protection and carries it to high elevations until just at the right time when the time is right, well, the eagle turns and the eaglet slides off the back so that the eaglet might be able to learn to fly, but probably it's not going to fly the very first time. And so then the eaglet comes back around and picks the eaglet up on his back to take back for her to take the eaglet back to the height so that they might be able to learn to fly. But he was also a bird of prey. The Lord acted as a predator on Egypt as it protected the Israelites who could not defend themselves. God's brought them out of slavery and fed and saved them from thirst and brought victory in battle. Now, God had brought them really with no effort on the part of the Israelites to the mountain of God. And if they would look back and remember, they would see and know the presence the fact that they've made it to this mountain of God, they are proof of God's care. What if you look back? Where is it that you see God's care? Maybe you've got something already written down to be able to see. We, we all know the illustration, perhaps, of the footprints in the sand of the poem, and I won't read the footprints in the sand, but you know the gist of it that describes looking back, seeing two sets of footprints, but then there were times during the difficult times there were only one set of footprints but if we ponder or ask why the Lord says my child that's when I carried you is, is that your experience that when you've been through difficult times that you see and know that he, he's been carried you on eagle's wings during the difficult parts of the journey thus far not everybody realize it not even believers always realize it at the time but most genuine believers realize it when they look back but you also know what you see when you look back. Knowing proof of God's care, you see Calvary. You see the place where Jesus took our sins to the cross of Calvary. We know that we literally laid our sins on the back of the one who is the Lamb of God so that we might be forgiven of sin and so that we might know Him. It's proof of God's love and supernatural care for us. The New Testament tells us Jesus bore our sins and it was on His back. Here it comes again so that you might be able to have a response to worship. In that verse 8, all that the Lord has spoken. Let's put it up there. Let's say it. You say the last three words if you would. All that the Lord has spoken. Oh, you're doing good. Thank you so very much. Sometimes, it, sometimes to be in fellowship and today and in the future, we must look back and remember that we're proof of God's care. Moses is going to tell the children of Israel who and what they were. They looked at the past, they see proof that they're proof of God's care. And then God tells them, if, if they'll obey His voice and keep His covenant, they will be God's peculiar treasure. If you're keeping up with your notes, you're God, you are God's peculiar treasure. Now, peculiar treasure is a King James word. Let me put that verse up in verse 5. This is how Exodus 19.5 says it in the King James. Now, therefore... If ye will obey my voice indeed, keep my covenant, these shall be a peculiar treasure 
unto me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. Some translations say special treasure. We read of the English Standard Version to where it said treasured possession. The Amplified Bible tries to put it all in there by saying my own peculiar possession and treasure. That phrase or even those two words comes from one word in the Hebrew means a treasure with special value, that which is unique to any other. Remember, God tells this on the mountain to Moses. Then Moses goes down and he tells the elders. And then the elders go and they tell the people that they are God's peculiar treasure. Now most of the time when this word is used, it probably means words of uh, maybe treasures that would be owned by a king or jewelry maybe perhaps by the queen or something like that. But it, it might help us to think of this peculiar treasure maybe like a stuffed animal. Now most of us when we were kids or we know of kids perhaps that has a stuffed animal, maybe it's a blanket or something like that, but something that they've got to keep with them. They're going to sleep with it. They're going to take it with them when they travel. Uh, they can't do without it, probably keep it much longer than they would ever tell their friends. But what happens to the stuffed animal? If some of the stuffing comes out, it starts to look a little uglier than it did in the beginning and now the eyes are, you know, got one eye on, one eye off. And Why is it a treasure because they probably got other stuffed animals that are much prettier and with all both eyes intact. But I think, I think the King James had it right when he said this is a peculiar treasure because here were the Israelites. Well, there was nothing about the Israelites that would cause God to love them. They complained a lot. They were, did not, weren't always following God, but they were still God's peculiar treasure. Well, it's the same for you and I because of sin or Lives have been marred, only made righteous by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then even sometimes still as believers, we're not always that pretty on the inside. We don't always do the most loving things, yet God still is going to draw us to Himself. We are that peculiar treasure. Titus chapter 2 and verse 14 says, Believers are called His own special people of all the universe and all of His creations, including all other people of the earth, we, those of us who are followers of Jesus, are His peculiar treasure chosen for a purpose. But being His peculiar treasure, you need to understand, and we've talked, it's not because of us, but it's because of who God is. Again, we want this to be interactive, so you've got a place there in your notes to where it says you want to give an example or an attribute. So I want you to think for just a moment, is there an attribute of God that maybe just at this time that you might want to say this is one thing about God that I want to give praise to today what would that attribute be maybe it's something like the fact that he's holy or loving or forgiving or just or the life giver Lord of Lord faithful he died and rose again he's king of kings powerful authoritative protector savior shepherd omniscient omnipresent omnipotent eternal worthy blameless alpha and omega Name above all names, majestic, the majestic one, master, light of the world, and it's just the tip of the iceberg. This is something that if you're going to be a part of this interactive worship time, whether you write it down or not, is there one particular maybe that you want to write down? This is significant for me. It may not be part of this list. You want to say, I want to give praise to him today. As a follower of Jesus, you are a priest called by God called to be holy 
verse 6 of Exodus 19 says, You will be a kingdom of priests. He says that not to the clergy, not to those who've been to seminary. He says it literally to the entire nation. Now, some of you may be thinking, okay, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think I've been hanging with you up, maybe up to this point. I may be a lot of things, but I'm no priest. Priests are somebody who's been who's a lot holier than I am. Well, we understand most people probably don't feel themselves to be very holy unless they feel... Uh, holier than now maybe with a little judgmental attitude but we know that that's not the right way to feel holy we're only holy because of what Christ has done for us and in our lives and because of the blood of Jesus and so that when the Lord looks down on us he doesn't see our sins but instead he sees that we have been made righteous but you are holy and matter of fact notice 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 Peter's writing in the New Testament 1 Peter chapter 2 He's quoting from Exodus 19, the very verses that we're reading today. And what does he say there? He says, but you are a chosen race. Notice the next phrase. He's writing, average Christian of the first century and also to us today. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of his darkness into his marvelous light. A couple of things that priests do. That we're supposed to do at least a couple of things. One is that we represent people to God. See, we have great access to God. We, because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, we have direct access to the one from who dwelled in the Holy of Holies so that we might come in. We might be able to have conversations and fellowship with Him. We can, don't have to go through anybody in order to be able to have conversations and fellowship and a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But also, having that relationship with God, we can bring others to the throne. We can bring their needs, their difficulties, the difficulties of our family members and our church family and our friends and our classmates and those who are in need. And even of this world, we bring it to the Lord and His throne. And we know that He's waiting to hear from us and He's waiting also to respond. But secondly, also, priests represent God to people. A priest speaks on behalf of God. He represents God. They don't just live just the way that they want to live on their own agenda, but they have an assignment from God and a sacred responsibility. Do you realize today that if you're, you are, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, a follower of Christ, that you represent Him? And how you respond to things may be how others think of God. In other words, if you're mean-spirited, unloving, unforgiving, unkind. Well, that may be the way in which they think of God. But if you're loving and you're forgiving, you're kind and compassionate, well, that may be and that is the way in which they will think of God. We understand that we have opportunity to be able to represent God to our neighbors and to our classmates and co-workers, to people in need, to be a people to be a priest who act and speak on God's behalf. So as a priest, you have direct access. As a priest, you represent God. Exodus chapter 19, 1 Peter chapter 2 tells you a priest called by God to be holy. Eight times in the Bible we're called to be holy for I am holy. Even though we may not feel very holy, we understand that holy also means not only that we have been made righteous, but it means to be set apart. 
So we're set apart to represent people to God and represent God to people because you're proof that God cares and you're a peculiar treasure chosen by God and you're a priest called by God. Well, so you want to live a holy life pleasing to the Lord in order to reflect His love and point more people to Jesus. I'm going to take a chance this morning that I won't lose you with this, but um, have you ever thought it fascinating to how Chick-fil-A does their advertisement? I mean, I, I mean, I understand. I just imagine somebody sitting around in an advertising boardroom somewhere and somebody says, and they're talking about how to advertise their chicken, and somebody says, how about we get cows to advertise our chicken? Everybody else has chickens in front of their place, so they got a kernel eating chicken. Let's have cows painting on billboards, eat more chicken. We'll have cows that parachute into sports arenas, and we'll have uh, people can dress up once or twice a year like a cow, and they get a free chicken sandwich. Now, I just wonder how that went over the first time it was said. Now, I get it. Cows don't want you to eat them. They want you to eat chicken. And, uh, but i got to tell you, if I was sitting in that meeting, I might have at least... Wouldn't that make people want to eat steak instead of chicken? They said, no, no, the cows are going to be pointing to the chicken. Now, I may have lost some of you. You're thinking about lunch. Chick-fil-A's closed on Sunday, though. But don't lose me here. And I'm not calling anybody a cow. You understand. But somewhere, perhaps the Lord in some meeting with the heavenly host said, here's what we're going to do. You know those humans down on earth? We're going to get them to represent Jesus. The church, the body of Christ. No, they don't look much. Even though they were made in the image of God because of sin, they don't look anything like us anymore. But we're going to get the church, and only the church, and only you, only the followers of Christ. They're the only ones that are going to point toward Jesus. And what a great responsibility that we have. Now, it's pretty clear what the cows are right and eat more chicken. Let it be clear. Jesus loves you, this I know. Let it be clear. Let me tell you the difference Jesus has made in my life. Let it be clear in how we act and not just what we say that people can see the difference because of Jesus. Oh, if you're thinking about lunch, I want you to come on back because we're going to be interactive. Could we put, the, put it on up there again? All that the Lord, say it with me, the very last three words. All that the Lord has spoken. Oh, you're here. You're with us. That's great. I want to tell you that the first three things we've talked about, if you got your notes, they were all we got four P's there, but we know that the first three things all talked about who we are in Christ. You're proof that God cares. You are that peculiar treasure. We know that you're a priest that is called by God. This last we've got is something that you are to do. Prayerfully respond and follow closely. Prayerfully respond and follow closely. They immediately and unanimously agreed to accept the covenant. And Moses took the answer back to God. Do you find it strange? This is Exodus 19. Exodus 20, one of those pillar chapters in the Bible is going to be the giving of the law and then lots more after that as well. But they don't know what the law is yet. But they've already agreed. We're going to find. That's good. In fact, that's the biblical way. Before you even know all that God's Word has to say, before you even know what God wants you to do tomorrow or the next day, or wherever this pandemic takes us, how many times have we changed our direction and done different things because of it? Regardless, you want to be able to say all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So let me ask you, church, 
We've got a lot of guests here today. We're glad that you're here, and we thank you. We hope that you'll come back and be a part of what's happening at Parkway. But let me ask you, church, or those who are followers of Christ, we ask together, will you agree? We're going to follow all that the Lord has asked for us to do, no matter what it may be. The Lord may ask us to do things we've never done. We've never done it that way before. We might still need to be ready to say yes. Whatever we need to do to be a light on this hill, and a light in our lives to be able to point to Jesus, will we be ready to say? You've answered today, and I know that I've asked you to be able to do that. And we're going to say it now, if we can. We're going to say it all together, I think, as we look at this. Would you put the last one up? Yeah, all of it's bold now. So would you say it with me? We'll say it all together. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Oh, thank you so much. It's what the Israelites said. Did they do it? Not that generation of Israelites. Three months into this, everybody's 20 years old or younger made it to the promised land. Not very many. Most did not. In fact, the story of Israel in the Old Testament is often the story of their disobedience. But there were some that did. Joshua and Caleb. There was always a remnant who followed. So we've got to make this personal. It's great as a church for all of us to say, we're going to do this. But unless it gets personal, it's probably not going to get done. We're probably not going to be able to follow closely and prayerfully respond. So I'm going to ask you this morning, just a moment, we're going to have a, we're going to have a word of prayer. As we do, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to respond by saying all that the Lord has spoken, I will do. We're not going to say it out loud. You're going to be able to say it through prayer. As we pray this prayer today, we always want to be cognitive that there have been others who are listening and uh, who may not know Christ as Lord and Savior. They may be listening online, maybe here today, or there are those maybe who think that they know who Christ is, but they don't have a real relationship with Jesus. So as we pray today, you'll have opportunity even today to pray and ask Christ to be your Savior and Lord. We hope today this is at least giving you an inside look at what it is to be a follower of Christ because and I want to make sure that you see the difference. The things that we talked about today in those proof, that you're proof of God's care, that you're a peculiar treasure, you're a priest. For the Israelites, those things were true if they obeyed. For those who are, live on this side of the cross because of what Jesus done, they are true regardless. But what an incentive to prayerfully respond and to follow closely. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Fathers, we come to you today. We thank you for this opportunity to worship. We thank you for how your word has spoken to us. And may it continue to speak to us, not just now or not just today, but in the future as well. And so we ask today... As we have come to this place, many who are followers of Jesus are listening or in this place today. Father, we ask as part of our invitation and part of our response. I'm asking you, if this is your response, just silently, this simple prayer, all that the Lord has spoken, I will do. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, the Bible says that you can call upon Him and He'll save you today, right now. You don't have to wait to get everything in order, but you do need to come to repentance, asking Christ, even now, to forgive you of your sins. You can ask Christ to come in to be your Savior and Lord. Father, as we approach 
new fall, new school year, new beginnings. We know that you're the God of new beginnings. And we pray, Father, for all who are listening today, all of our church. We pray, Father, that we may follow you ever more closely. May you make us more and more like Christ. May we not be comfortable in the nest, but may we be ready to fly as on eagles' wings. Father, when it seems sometimes that you've let loose, we know that you're there to pick us back up and that you'll always draw us to yourself. Help us to be able to fly with purpose according to your will. It's in Christ's name that we lift these prayers.